I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyalonic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. It's my check! It's my check! The podcast by Mike Myers! And we clear. Greetings to all you wonderful, horny little babies out there in the Mike Check Republic. Thank you once again for joining us on Mike Check with Cameron James and Alexi Toliopoulos, the only podcast in the history of mankind, and boy, I hope the future as well, where two funny <laughs> men go through the entire work of the wonderful actor, writer, director, and Canadian Mike Myers, just to check if it is good. <laughs> My name is Alexi Teleopolis, and with me, as always, is another funny bastard, <laughs> Cameron James. Hey, everybody. I would like to first of all say thank you, Alexi, for adding the the word Canadian to yes. the end of your description. Well, we simply must. We must do it, because we forget that about Mike. Yes. I mean, we, we often think, when I say the words Mike Myers, what's the first thing you think of? Um... Horny. Okay. What's the second thing? Shagadelic. And what's the third thing? Excellent. <laughs> Just catchphrases. <laughs> yes. But one more. Probably the fourth one would have to be Canadian. Yes. And I guess that's something we're going to delve into today is the Canadianness mm-hmm. of Mike Myers because today we're doing something a little bit different. Yes. The library is open, honey. So we're going to be talking about the book. That Mike Myers authored. It's called Canada. By Mike Myers. Now, up until this point, we've been we've been researching Mike independently. Mm-hmm. We've been making assumptions. We've been using my psychology degree. Yep. <laughs> which I, I actually never did psychology, but I tell people I did. Yes. The year of psych. And it's just to scare them to yeah. go, I can know you, yeah, baby. Yeah, when I Watch meet someone, me. the first thing I say is, hey, look. 
just so you know, I did a year of psych, mm. so I'm probably going to be analysing everything you say yeah. right now. Um, but that's human nature. And then when they say something, I go, mm, interesting, interesting. And I mm. make a little note in my notepad and they freak the yeah. fuck out. You're like Columbo, but you never turn around and say something back that's going <laughs> to no. scare him. You if just they... go, hmm, interesting. And then you do walk off smoking your dirty cigar. <laughs> <laughs> if they ever looked in my notebook, they'd see it's just over and over again. It just says, I am horny. <laughs> or interesting. Dot, 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 dot. Over and over. But up until this point, we've been making a lot of assumptions about Mike. Mm-hmm. We've been doing our own analysis of the man. But this is the very first time that we have gotten a definitive insight into the mind of Myers. Mm. And I am very excited to discuss it because this is straight from the horse's mouth. And Mike, I'm sorry that I called well, you a horse. He, I'll tell you something you may not have known about Mike. He did once open mouth kiss a horse. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great jokes from Goldmember. <laughs> yeah, so we will be talking about his book, Canada. It was released last year in 2016. It has not been released in our hometown of Australia. <laughs> well, the world is a one giant country, so yeah, that's yeah. why that's why I called us a town instead of a country itself. The world is a country and it's also flat. Yes, and we do believe that here. We're not just mucking around. Truly, <laughs> the world canon. is flat. We are truthers when and it I'm comes scared. to flat I'm scared we're going to fall off. We're right, at the, we're right at the underneath side of the... Of, of the <laughs> we are right on the edge of the, of yeah. the earth. And I'm freaking the fuck out mm. at all times. But uh, why don't we dive right into this book? Because the one thing that calms me down when I'm freaking out is Mike. And yes. his words really actually got me through a lot. In the yeah. last few months when I've been reading this book. Yeah, tell us some of your hardships, mate, so we can relate to you. I might just uh, DM them to anyone who wants to hear them. Yeah. So if you'd like to, please DM the mic check page and I will write back to you with some really deep, dark but shit. But only late at night. <laughs> only late at night. Sorry, guys. I've been busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why don't we dive right into the book, Canada by Mike Myers. Mike Myers says... I'm an actor, a writer, a producer, a director, a husband, and a father, but no description of me is complete without saying that I'm a Canadian. Wow. Chilling. Mike Myers, the man behind some of the most memorable comic characters of our time, has often made winking allusions to Canada in his outrageously accomplished body of work. But now he turns the spotlight on full beam. (laughs) (laughs) Canada is Mike Myers' insightful, frequently hilarious and wholly subjective analysis of what makes Canada, Canada. Canadians, Canadians, and what being Canadian has always meant to him. It is both a memoir of a Canadian at home and abroad, and a wildly autobiographical investigation of a nation. A true patriot who happens to be an expatriot, Myers is in a unique position to explain Canada from within and without. His literary debut brings his love of Canada to the fore at a time when the country is once again looking ahead with hope and national pride. That was long. That's probably as long well, as the book. It was three things. Long, hard, and full of sperm. <laughs> yes, or semen. baby. <laughs> now, uh, that's very interesting. If you Guys, if you were 
listening mm-hmm. to that synopsis, <laughs> that is actually a very good description of what it is. It is part memoir, part investigative mm-hmm. analysis of his own country, yeah. which is actually something that I found really interesting. Oh, totally. I mean, when I picked it up, I thought it was just going to be kind of a my story yep. type thing, but it is, and it is that. But it goes on some really great sidebars that are just about the history of Canada itself, uh, his experience living there in the 60s and 70s, what it's like being an immigrant family Mm -hmm. in Canada. It's really great. It's part historical book, really. Totally. And I think as well, it's really interesting for us because... Australia, I think, is a very similar country to Canada in that we are a colonized country. Mm-hmm. We are, so I think we have a lot of the same influences that Mike had and a lot of the same kind of childhood that Mike had being, having a lot of our entertainment come from both America and abroad in Abroad, a, a hot broad. <laughs> very hot broad. A very broad. voluptuous and, hot broad. Yes, the name of Gilbert Grabner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we, a lot of our entertainment does come from England as well. So yeah. I think it's very it's very interesting from that perspective reading it as Aussie boys. And I've always related to Canadians. I've oh, always, of course. Whenever Canadian comedians come over here and we get to hang out with them, I always feel a kinship with them. Yes. Because we're very... We're similar. I think Australians are generally quite laid back, mm-hmm. easygoing, self-deprecating, polite, which is the exact same disposition as a Canadian. Yes. Um, in fact, one of our listeners, Jasmine on Facebook, said to me recently in Brisbane that mm-hmm. I, and I guess by extension you, mm-hmm. she would have said it to you if you yes. were there. Jasmine, darling, thank you for hopefully what will be a compliment. <laughs> Am an honorary Canadian. Oh my God, Jasmine! If you meant that for me too, that truly warms my maple leaf heart. At the very least, I accepted the compliment, mm-hmm. and I didn't ask whether she meant you as yes. well. So you're still up in the air. Your I honorary so. citizenship is up in the I air. I hope so. But I've been confirmed by a maple sucking son of a gun herself. <laughs> So I'm glad to be part of the Canadian family. Mm. And this this book made me feel like I was more Canadian. Totally. It made me feel Canadian reading this book. Now, how did we get this book? We got this from a Canadian. Oh, really? Yes. There's a man, Bill, mm-hmm. good buddy of mine. He comes to one of the my trivia nights that I host. Mm-hmm. And he was going to Canada. I said, please, can you get me this book? He brought it back for me and... I'm forever eternally grateful The rest to... is history. Yes. And that's fucking great. Thanks, Bill. Bill Baby. I almost called him Bill Bailey. <laughs> it's not Bill Bailey, but thank you so much for bringing us this book and uh, we couldn't be more grateful. So let's talk a little bit about the style of this mm. book because Mike... One thing we forget about the guy is that he is a writer. He's he a producer. A He's a director. No, no, no. He's... I just wanted to focus okay. on the writing <laughs> You just start listing his yeah. credit. He's a husband. He's, <laughs> he's a, and a father. But no description of him is complete without mentioning he is a Canadian. But I guess if I could backtrack from yep. what you're saying, I'd like to focus on the writer Okay, element. yes. Okay. Fair enough, fair he enough. He is a writer. He's a writer. He's a director. He's no, a, oh, we're shit, focusing sorry. on writing, dude. Sorry, Can yeah, you freaking snap together? Now I'm stuck in the loop. Okay. Okay. As a writer, mm-hmm. the guy, he knows a turn of phrase. We know this from the monologues that he's written for yes. his characters. This book, I think, really shows that the guy knows prose as well. Yes. He really can spin a yarn. I think what is most fabulous about this book and why it is such... It's a fabulous read. 
Mm. Absolutely a shagadelic read. It cannot be denied. It's re- it's just absolutely fun and it moves so well. Mm-hmm. I think because it's written in almost a stream of consciousness style, yeah. but that's backed up with total research. Like he he's researched everything for this book as far as his own career goes and as mm-hmm. far as his relationship to Canada goes and to Canada's history itself throughout his lifetime and before as well. Mm. And I think that the stream of consciousness style, it's just so in the voice of Myers. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that's been writing since he was a kid. Yeah. So he knows his voice so well. And yeah. I think it's so fascinating to see applied into something that is not strictly a comedy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's got funny anecdotes mm-hmm. in it in the way that any memoir would. But I think the bits of it that really grabbed me were, you know, say a chapter, for example, where... He might be talking about how little money they had growing mm-hmm. up, and then he'll start talking about how he only had a knockoff pair of Adidas shoes, yep. and then that will spin off into this whole uh, generation of children in Canada who were like who couldn't afford real Adidas, mm. and then there's a whole yeah, it, it just continues to spiral outwards. Now it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, broader scope of Canada, and then it will come right back down to Mike's personal experience within it. It's yeah. really something it's I mean, incredible i mean i'm i'm in impro- i always forget that he actually knows how to use words yeah i just think of him as such a physical as a goof a goofball yeah but he's actually very you know literate. he's erudite he's, he's very erudite. very smart yeah very smart what would you say was some of your favorite parts of this book because it is broken into sort of segments i guess early life middle life when he moved to America and then the later end is I guess mostly about his love for Canada what was mm. something that really uh, grabbed you anything from the early years uh, the early years I loved reading about his childhood in Scarborough Ontario where it talks about um, him living in kind of a lower socioeconomic middle class neighborhood that had a lot of ruffigans living around him that was something I could relate to I grew up in I guess it took me a long time to realize this but you know I went to a school that was quite similar but a lot of ruffigans and I think it's a very recent realization for you you were just telling me a yarn of your own yeah that you, I think it seems to me like you just realized that you went to a rough school. Yeah, I really, it was really, really recently. Should I talk about it on the podcast? Yeah, but don't use names. I mean, I don't know any of these people's <laughs> names anyway. It's been a long time. <laughs> Even though you went through school with them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I forgot about them. I'm a hotshot these days. <laughs> I've got a true. podcast about freaking Mike Myers, dude. That's I'm living true. the life. That is true, sorry. <laughs> so, I went, so this past weekend was my decade high school reunion for junior high. Yeah. Not my senior high, so no. it was from... You're not as old as me. Yeah, for year 10. So, mm-hmm. it was for my year 10 class. Mm-hmm. And so, it was a lot of uh, people that were mainly organizing to catch up that perhaps didn't complete high school, <laughs> that perhaps dropped out mm-hmm. be- f- due to reasons involving the law and... Maybe uh, a few reasons involving... Man, I'm blazed, bro. Yeah, druggers and uh, Love and children. A lot of people have decade-old children now. What now. would you rather be a dropout for, drugs or having kids? Um, well, mm, loves have got on my rocks off when I was younger. <laughs> I was very desperate to get that going on. Yeah, man. but I was too busy being a little nerd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was the reunion for that, and I didn't go. Uh, but I saw on the Facebook page uh, for the <laughs> event where people were just going like, yeah, any 
any anyone that didn't come to the reunion and fuck off your dog's bra. I'm like, well, okay, that's all right. And, and furthermore, furthermore, uh, people posting going, yeah, so uh, that ended well. I implied sarcasm there, mm-hmm. and it turns out the night ended in a brawl where uh, <laughs> where people got tackled, ankles were broken, people got arrested by the police and go yeah. to hospital, and then also the New South Wales Police uh, Facebook page <laughs> did post about such a such an event where uh, the cops were called on a fight happening in their local area, and then <laughs> the people fought back. Someone tried to steal a cop's firearm. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine the brazenness. Yes, trying to steal a cop's firearm. That means gun, dude. That they tried is to get a the cop's gun. gun. Yes, it's nuts. I love hearing that stuff. Um, and I think that's a similarity that uh, that Canada has with Australia too, mm. that we are a, a country populated by hotheads mm. in some ways. Yeah, it's very... That was like really... Imagine if I fell in with the wrong crowds. Yeah. Oh, imagine dude. that. Instead of me being a little theatre comedy nerd, <laughs> imagine like me, instead of me going like learning about you know stuff like mammoth in high school. Sure, I was living the mammoth life instead. You know, swearing <laughs> and getting guns and stuff like Chuffin that. Chuffing cigs, chuffing dogs, <laughs> freaking well, okay. dudes. I mean, in comparison, I actually did fall in with the wrong crowd mm. in high school, but I taught them about theatre. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real I Bootman story. I taught them story. about dance. I yeah. taught them about poetry. <laughs> I started rapping Shakespeare to them. And yeah. they were like, whoa, dope rhymes. And I was like, bro, Bill wrote those. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's talk about... I was about around Michelle Pfeiffer type. Some of, the, uh, some of the Canadian childhood. This is chapter... So uh, the book is split into three parts, each mm-hmm. with two chapters. The first part is true. And that's chapter one, who are we, why are we? And chapter, chap, that was chapter one, sorry. Chapter two is a Canadian childhood. The th- second part is Patriot, which is chapter three, the next great nation. And chapter four, a Canadian adulthood. Mm-hmm. And then the final one is love, which is losing Canada and a Canadian future. So it is really told through, it mainly is Mike's story mm-hmm. told through the lens of his life in Canada and the way Canada has influenced him. But it is also the story of Canada through the eyes of Mike Myers. There's a lot of stuff in that early bit, in the true bit about mm. his Canadian childhood that I had no idea about. And I've mm. read a lot of interviews and bios on the guy, but I still didn't know the extent to which he worked in television as a child. Mm, he was a child stuff? actor. I didn't know at all. I mean, I kind of knew that he'd done ads. I think yeah. that anecdote of him doing an ad with Gilda Radner was something that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. And it was kind of common knowledge. But I didn't realize that he was sort of a child star. Mm. He was in TV shows. And musicals and things like the that. The ads were very big and he got kind of bullied at school for yeah, being in these ads. But what a gr- great insight, hey, how he says that, you know, because these ads, like we all know ads from TV where there's... Yeah, there's of like, course. Yeah, everyone, I've seen look, them. We've all seen them, guys. Yeah. And one thing you might know about an ad is that there is often a catchphrase or mm-hmm. a jingle in these ads. Yeah. Mike, little child star, often in charge of saying the catchphrase or the jingle Mm. in these ads and then would be mercilessly bullied with people repeating the catchphrases back at him. Little did they or he know that one day he would be the creator of catchphrases. The king of the catchphrase. The catchphrase king. That's him. That's so good, isn't it? I think that says something that it was drilled into him early on that there has to be a hook or like a catchy yeah. element, like a pop song. And he was, I think he was quite open with it when writing the book where he was like, you know, like, 
I guess it wasn't the end of that for me either. Yeah. So it's really, I think that's really cool, really fascinating. Very fascinating. I also, I love the Gilda Radner anecdote. Yeah, can you talk about that story? Sure. So he was in an an ad with Gilda Radner pre-SNL. So mm-hmm. this is before she's in SNL. She's a Second City star. Yep. She'd probably been in uh, the Godspell, the famous Godspell play that had been around Canada for a little while. Was she Canadian? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like everyone do, like yeah. me and you. We're yeah. all Canadian. We're all Canadian. <laughs> and she played Mike's mother in an ad, and Mike has gone on record as saying he fell in love mm. with Gilda Radner. Yeah. Well, she's one, I think, one of the most... Um, I'm trying to think of the word. One of the most exciting comedic performers of all time. Yeah. There's something about her where she's got that unique talent, that unique spark where you're just drawn to her, and just she is just... Uh, she's an X Factor performer. Yeah, she's an an unashamed goofball mm-hmm. and very overtly silly. And in her overt silliness lies deep pathos. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Deep That's so pathos. True. So she was just doing ads, and she was doing Second City at this point. And Mike, you know, they were in an ad together. He fell in love with her, had a bit of a crush mm-hmm. on her, and then. Uh, as he said his goodbyes to her on set, he cried. Mm. And his brothers used to tease him about that yeah. for years. They called him, uh, was it Sookie Baby? I or, think so. Um, uh, Sucky Baby. Sucky That's baby. what they called him. Yeah. Sucky Baby for years. And then a little while later, his brothers teased him and said, Hey, Sucky Baby, your girlfriend's going to be on TV on Saturday night in some crap show. It's so crap, it doesn't even have mm. a name. It's just called yeah. Saturday Night. Uh, ding, ding, ding. That was Saturday Night Live, yeah. bros. Live from New York. It's Saturday night. Gilda Radner. And one day featuring <laughs> Mike Myers. R.I.P. Yes. So Mike watched Saturday Night Live for the first time on the debut episode and he said out loud to his brothers... How funny is George Carlin doing these bits? (laughs) That's not what he said. Okay. He said... Andy Kaufman's a gas. Yeah. No, he didn't. He Look said, at him doing Mighty Mouse. <laughs> he said, one day I'm going to be on this show. Mm-hmm. And his brother said, dream on dream Sucky on Baby. Dream on Sucky Baby, you ding boot. Little did they know that he would. Yes. And I love that. That's so great that Gilda was an early influence of his and maybe possibly even the reason why he dreamed of being on that show. Mm, perhaps. We have Gilda to thank. Thank you, Gilda. Thank you for making Mike horny at a young age mm-hmm. and keeping him horny well into adulthood. Well into adulthood. And that does serve as a bit of a cyclical device in this. Because I think one of, later on in the book, one of the saddest moments is when Mike is on SNL. He's, yeah. he's a featured player, I believe, mm-hmm. one of the young the youngsters on the show. Yep. And he is leaving 30 Rockefeller, New York, mm-hmm. the home of Life from New York. It's Saturday nights. The comedy program. They and he stopped by a reporter asking him about Gilda Radner, and he finds out from the reporter that Gilda has tragically passed away. Tragically, we did lose. We Gilda. did lose Gilda, and he talks about breaking down and uh, how hard that was for him to hear when he's finally kind of reached his goals and dreams that were inspired by her. She is taken from this disgusting world that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> the angel, she did get her wings and escape this filth-ridden planet that we live on. sewer <laughs> yeah. that we live in on a day-to-day basis. Exactly. And you know what? We need bright, 
shining angels like mm-hmm. Gilda, like Mike, to shine a light that is so bright that it distracts us from yes. the feces and excrement. Yeah, and Domino's pizza all around us. And just rats all around us. Tall rats wearing kimonos and shit, dude. Teaching us (laughs) kung fu and martial arts and ninja skills. And, I mean, that was a sad moment. There's a lot of emotional moments in Mm. this book. One thing we do know about Mike is that he is an emotional guy. He's very emotional. He wears his heart on his sleeve. And this book is Very long sleeve. (laughs) Very, very long sleeve that covers well, his wrist. You need a shirt sleeve that long to cover... Uh, the to world's have biggest a, heart. The biggest heart in the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of earnest moments like mm. that in this book. And I think it's the type of thing that I would find a little bit jarring or sappy, if it were, in an interview. Mm. But seeing it written... It actually, it gets me emotional. Oh, totally. Mm. I weeped up a few times. In I this. weeped up a few times. Yeah. In this. What were some times that you wept? That Gilda story definitely yep. made me weep. The stuff about his father in the later years. Oh, where he yeah. talks, especially because this is, we talk about Mike's daddy issues a lot on this podcast. Mm. That's because they're always relevant. They're daddy never, wasn't there. Well, daddy was there for a lot of the time. That's mm. why Mike loves his puppy so much. Yeah. And his father. His father, his papa, his, ma- his mother's husband. <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, very, it, it's, we get to see, spend a childhood with him yeah. and see what an amazing influence he was, what a great father he was, what a fun bloke and friend, good friend he was to Mike yeah. and to Mike's friends when, friends when he needed it. And then to reach the end of the book where we start seeing his father succumb to Alzheimer's mm. and become non-communicative mm-hmm. and just disappearing into himself, that really... Really, his strikes a very strong chord. It's very upsetting. It's um, and also, I mean, I didn't exactly know how early that happened. Mm. I always, I knew that his father died before Wayne's World, the film, came out. And when you're just reading that as like IMDb trivia, you're yeah. just like, that's sudden. You oh, understand? that's you really can go sad like, yeah. that it happened, and his father missed out on him being a successful film star. But what you don't realize is that his father missed out on him being a successful person at all. On his SNL, dad, yeah. Yeah, his dad started to get Alzheimer's before he was cast on SNL. Mm. So he never saw, or never at least got to live and enjoy any of it. And that took, that it mainly started out during his years abroad when he was living in England. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's so much in this book. Yeah. I keep forgetting how many, uh, how many lives Mike has lived. Yeah. Really? There's a lot. At least nine. Yeah, According well, to one of his characters, Mr. Cat. cat. Mr. <laughs> that, cat in the Hat. That darn cat. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that made me emotional, and it's a little anecdote that sort of starts out very, uh, very you know, chill and very kind of cute and funny. It's um, a little anecdote about his time at SNL when he sort of became close with Phil Hartman. Mm. And he tells a couple of little funny facts about, you know, Phil and a couple of funny times that he spent with Phil. One of them including Phil's endlessly changing hobbies. Mm. So he says, you know, every week I would walk past Phil's change room and Phil had a new hobby that he was just obsessed with and then he would master it within a week and move on to something else. Mm. Phil is one of those famous uh, people who could kind of do anything. Yeah. Um, he was a goddamn graphic designer. Like yeah, a, an that accomplished was, graphic designer. Yeah, for mm. like big bands and stuff. Yeah. He designed album covers. <laughs> yeah, he could do it all. 
And so Mike tells a few stories. You know, one week I walked past and Phil was appraising diamonds. Mm. He had like a loop and he knew exactly how to appraise diamonds. Another week I walked past and he was assembling ships in a bottle and he got really good at doing that. Another week he was purchasing property in Hawaii Mm. and then flipping it and stuff like that. And then the the bit that made me tear up, and I was already welling a little bit with like feeling, oh God, Phil Hartman, was that Phil got really into collecting guns. Yeah. And Mike tells a little anecdote where he says, you know, I watched Phil select guns from a catalog that he was going to purchase and I left his office with an uneasy feeling in my Mm. stomach. And I honestly cried. Yeah. Just, it hit me all of a sudden because I thought it was a cute anecdote. And Mm. then I realized that, oh God, that's the, probably the gun that ended his life. Yeah. I got really upset about it. I had to put the book down. Yeah, it's that's that Phil Harmon, all that stuff always will get to me because yeah. as a kid, he was one of my big guys, like with mm. Mike and Dana and stuff, seeing mm. him on those early SNL tapes. And I think he was one of the first people I knew that had died. Like, that was one of the first oh, things God. I, as a kid, yeah. I knew that he he was no longer with us. Yeah. And I didn't really know how. I just, I'd heard that he'd been killed. Mm. And so it was one of those, that's always stuck with me my whole life as one of the most traumatic things ever is. Yeah. Phil Hartman's passing. It's still... I remember... Because I used to love news radio, mm. which stars Dave Foley, who gets many shout-outs in this book as yeah, well. Heaps. Heaps of shout-outs for Dave Foley. Um, but and- we'll save those for our other podcast, The Search for the Foley Grail, <laughs> which is about trying to find Dave Foley's best work. <laughs> and I think it's probably going to be a bug's life. Mm, who knows? <laughs> There's a few other uh, a few other little things that could go up there. But um, he... Uh, yeah, I remember watching... I love news radio. It was such a silly, mm. great sitcom. Um, and then when he passed away, I remember thinking, how the hell are they going to replace him? And they ended up not having to because the show mm. kind of got cancelled. But um, I, I remember being profoundly affected by his death mm. at, at the time. Because mm. I, I was such wow. a fan of how him How old that you show. have been? God, I don't know. When was when was that show on the air? Who knows? Uh, I was in primary mid-90s school. Mid-90s it would have yeah. been. I think... When did he pass away? Must have been around then. Yeah. I was in primary school for sure. And I just loved that show. I loved him and Andy Dick mm. and Foley, Joe Rogan. Obviously still mm-hmm. a big Joe Rogan fan. Yeah, of course. You love him. You're always fighting. Yeah, I'm always doing MMA and taking acid. Shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're actually... Fucking awesome, dude. I'm I don't tell you that sick, enough. Dude, and I'm a fucking atheist and I don't give a fuck who knows it. But I do believe that if there is a God, Phil Hartman is making him laugh right yeah. now. Oh wow, what a great way to put it. So <laughs> Phil Hartman died in ninety eight. Okay, right. So yeah, um, I was in primary school. Yeah, it's, that's it's very it's hard to take. I don't remember if this is in the book, but I know Mike has said this is a quote a quote from Mike Myers. And I think I may have it's it's either in this book, I saw it in this round table he did with uh, Bill Hader, Seth Meyers, and Ben Stiller at like a comedy festival mm. type thing years ago, and mm. it was filmed and was on Netflix for for ages. I don't think it's on there anymore. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. And he says at Phil Hartman's funeral, he's talking about how John Lovitz is the funniest person he's ever met in his mm. life, and he said at uh, Phil Hartman's funeral, people kept on going like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he's dead," and like just being in total shock because he is the mm. it's one of the most shocking deaths in comedy mm. history. And then John Lovitz would go, "Come on, you're making it sound worse than it is." <laughs> <laughs> oh god, 
God. The SNL stuff really... I think that's where comedy nerds will get the biggest kick out of this book. It's the most enticing comedy nerd history stuff. Yeah, for sure. Like, every SNL book that comes out always sells well because it's... We all love hearing those stories. This, I'd say the whole middle third of the book is largely yeah. set at SNL. Yeah, there's a lot... There's The stuff that's all legend is amazing. Like, the yeah. stuff hearing him going on the road with the Second City players. That's like, all so that's good. really cool when yeah. you're hearing about the stuff where he's... At the levels that we're kind of at now in comedy. Yeah. Or, you know, especially you, you're doing a lot of touring around now with comedy. Yeah. I think that's something that's so enticing hearing these Love these hearing legends stuff. like be relatable to people like us so we can understand them. Him having to start all over again in England, mm-hmm. start from the bottom as like a doorman at like these weird shitty yeah. English venues. When I'm hearing those stories, I can picture the room that they're performing in. I always love hearing those stories about alternative comedy scenes in uh, America or mm. England because you always hear, there's always lists of the names of people that were performing around there yeah. then. And some of them you either didn't know, ever did comedy yeah. or you forgot. Like, for example, there's a bit at uh, where he's performing at Second City in Chicago mm. and Michael Keaton is around and yeah. kind of compliments Mike and says, you're amazing. And yeah. you, you always forget Michael Keaton started as a stand-up. Yeah. And another great one from England is that uh, Hugh Grant was part yeah, of the of alternative course. comedy scene. And that's something what? you just don't... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. No, you don't remember or you Was don't he? know at all. Yeah, because, you know, he started out... I think Hugh Grant is so underrated because yeah. I think he's one of the most gifted, like, comic performers ever. He's great. Because he's... He's performer. He's just such a. I, he's such an embodiment of persona. Yeah, and I think people like go. Oh, he always does the same thing and everything he oh, does. He doesn't. But he he may he may well hmm. do. But that is so well calculated, so well performed. It's just a complete understanding of a comedic persona. And because it's it's subtler than like a big broad character like a Will Will Ferrell would mm. do, so it kind of just seems like he's just acting. But no, he's just comedic performing the whole way through. I wonder. 
what he did? Like, do you think mm. he was in a sketch group or improv, or do you think he did stand up? I can't. I don't even, think he would have done stand up. Like, I can't even yeah. visualize what Hugh Grant would have done. Yeah, I'm imagining that it's one of those things where he was in like a team, like I a think French would, and Saunders yeah. type thing, and he was. I reckon he'd just be asking people out. Like, well, do you think you could ever give me the possibility <laughs> of um, yeah, your, you know, perhaps going on a date together? <laughs> Yeah, that would be a great bit. Mm. That's actually really funny. Yeah, just to ask people out of the audience. Constantly that's asking funny. people on dates. Yeah. <laughs> and stumbling through it. It's oh, a great bit. Oh, that's great. That's really funny. Yeah, I love that stuff. There's a really good bit where he's discussing his time on the road with Second City. Mm-hmm. And he has a very... This shows Mike Myers' like, awareness of, mm. of his place in comedy mm. history. He says, you know, Second City always had different archetypes. The big guy, you mm-hmm. know, John Candy, Chris Farley, the mm. like fiery girl, Catherine O'Hara, mm-hmm. Tina Fey. Um, and then he says, you know, his archetype was the small man with a lot of energy, mm. which is exactly who he is. Yeah. And he says, you know, at the time, my hero was Martin Short, who was mm. the perfect archetype of that person. Yeah. Now, that really stuck out at me because later on, he tells a story about performing at the Second City 50th anniversary show. Yeah, which sounds like the best gig I've ever heard of in my life. It sounds incredible. And this is like, Mike's not famous at this point. No, he's just kind of like a local cool dude, yeah, probably. Yeah, like, yeah, he's not, he hasn't been on national TV. He's probably just done those mm. community TV yep. segments. Um, and he is probably, he'd be the equivalent of, you remember when you'd watch like, thank God you're here Mm. and it would be like Frank Woodley or someone like that. But then there's also just the improv cast. There's Ed Cavalier. Yeah. Ed Cavalier's there. Yeah. Ed Cavalier's the Mike Myers of that generation. I think so. I think so. (laughs) Yeah. He's like a player on stage during other people's set pieces, Mm. essentially. But he gets given a chance to do his Wayne Campbell character as a solo sketch. Mm -hmm. And according to his telling of it, he was having a pretty average night and he was thinking, I don't know if I'm really enjoying this. Mm. And then Dave Foley said to him, hey, Wayne is going to kill. Yep. They're going to love Wayne Campbell. And the cool thing as well about this, this is a big opportunity that you don't want to muck up because it's the, the fif- it's the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of Second City. Yep. And so it's this big thing, huge sold out night. People that are in the audience that are like very well to do in show business, lots of yep. big names, but also people in the cast. Mm-hmm. It's like 50 years of one of the most yeah. iconic things in the history of comedy. So it's using people that are incredibly famous. Catherine O'Hara is in O'Hara, it. O'Hara, Eugene Levy, yep. Martin Shaw, Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Moranis, mm. John Candy, all like everyone that you know from comedy. Mm. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if John Candy was performing. No, or, I don't think Candy was there. But actually. there's a lot of those people were performing. Mine short, I'm pretty sure. Was yeah, there. he was there. So anyway, Mike goes on, does his Wayne character. It starts out slow because people don't know it's a character. People think because he used to start in the crowd. Yeah, he used to do a famous like Cameron James type. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a, how do you mean that? <laughs> oh, I used to start in the crowd, man. Just, what do you mean? No, I never did. You used that. to heckle? <laughs> yeah, I just used to heckle 
comics and then one day a comic said hey you think you're so funny you get up here and And what did you do i killed yes dude that's one of the most iconic stories in sydney (laughs) comedy is that cameron james was lifted from obscurity to the raw national finals (laughs) which is where cameron did it for the first time i heckled every heat and then i got wild carded into the nationals Um, no, it's like, it's, uh, okay, so he used to start in the crowd and then he'd, he'd be a drunk heckler and then he would come up on stage and do his Wayne mm. bit. And by the time he got to the stage, he was killing. Mm. And then he just killed for five straight minutes, came off stage, the rest of the show went fine. Afterwards, people, it, the way he tells it, he was he went to the after party, he didn't want to sit with the main cast because mm. he didn't want to be presumptuous, so he went to the bar and just kind of chilled at the bar with the other feature players. Mm. And one by one, every star came over to him specifically to compliment Wayne, including people like Michael Keaton, Martin Short, that kind of thing. And then the next day... He was hired for SNL. Mm. That's insane. Mm. I think Short spoke to Lorne, right? Yeah, Martin Short, who's his icon, Mm. small man with high energy, rang Lorne that night and said, you have to hire this Mike Myers character. Mm. But coincidentally, five other people also rang Lorne Michaels that night and said the same thing. I am getting chills just hearing this again. sight unseen, he was hired by Lorne Michaels for SNL. How crazy is that? That's insane. It's unbelievable. It feels fake, mm. but it's real. It happened to yeah. him. And, uh, yeah, then there's a whole a whole bunch set at SNL that just like, oh, God, I would have loved to have been there. Just yeah. to be even a crew member. Oh, my God, to be a fly on those walls? Yeah, I mean, I'd hate to be a fly. Cause... I would no, I would be willing to be a shit-eating fly just to, <laughs> just to hang out on but those the walls. the thing is that you've... Just said the thing I hate least, of, I hate most about flies, which is that they have to eat shit. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, I'm one of those guys that's eaten a lot of shit in his life performing <laughs> as a comedian, so I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Hey, speaking of eating shit, this is jumping. Oh, back a jump bit. back. Well, speaking of eating shit, let's tell this story. You this is me. one of my favorite anecdotes from the story about Mike's uh, childhood in Scarborough, Ontario, where he talks about these, uh, you know, the rough kids. What do mm. he call them? Like the delinquents? Yeah, the delinquents. juvenile delinquent yeah. type guys. And there was one of his friends who was a latchkey kid <laughs> who had a mom who had many different boyfriends and stuff. So he, they would always hang out at his house. And there was one time where he said, does anyone feel like eating? And his, Mike and his friend said, no. His friend goes upstairs, <laughs> comes back down for plate of food uh, and a knife and fork. Also, he's dressed in a complete like tuxedo. A, a little kitty tuxedo. <laughs> he sits down with his knife and fork and starts Cutting away at the food. What is a food? It's a turd. <laughs> he did a shit on a plate. And I uh, did he eat the turd? I don't know I don't if think he ate so. the turd. Mike just says that they all just watched in shock as their friend <laughs> cut up a full log of turd <laughs> with a knife and fork Very whilst dressed in a tuxedo. Yeah. I don't think he actually ate it, but he definitely cut it up. That's yeah. so that is, is like that one funny? of the funniest things I've it's ever It's funny to read it, but I think at the time we'll be like, you are a mentally ill man <laughs> shitting on a plate and bringing it out to us. I want no one to ever see one of my turds. No, I really, God, one no. of my biggest fears is someone's going to see my turd and then go, mm, a lot of gummy Make worms, gummy worms <laughs> running through this turd. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, is you couldn't probably have your turd on a plate. It would have yeah. to be in a bowl. <laughs> in a bowl with a straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd have to come down with it in a cocktail glass if you wanted to pull that prank. 
<laughs> so that, that was the story about the turd-eating boy. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back into the but SNL stuff. But how good is that? That's a little ahead. insight into, like, an early influence mm. of Mike's who is someone who just committed wholeheartedly to mm. a bit. That's exactly. great. That's a, I think that's a nice little insight into how where someone picks up influences from as, yeah. as a child. That's and great. Mike is the king of commitments. Loves to commit. Mm-hmm. Crimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Against me. Yep. So this we're some- talking about the SNL uh, mm. stuff. And I think this is just legendary stuff from the hallways of Studio... Studio... 8H? 8H, yes. Yeah, Studio mm. 8H at the 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Sure. And it is fascinating. Just seeing all these legendary names be thrown around. Mm. And one of my favorite small stories there that shows... Uh, Mike's importance to SNL was he talks about how everyone was really against him in the writer's room. Yeah. And there was a point where an unnamed man, um, like, grabbed him and, like, like you know, re- they had a re- they almost had a fight. Yeah. And Mike shot it down by, you know, from his rough childhood in Scarborough being able to, like, you know, say something really tough to stop a yeah, fight from happening. Yeah, he talked him. Yeah. Or he, like, used his hockey years. Yeah, exactly. I found that really fascinating because there's this turn in it where it just shows the... just a wonderful quality of human... or how human Mike can be. Like, just the human kindness that he can show where after Wayne became, like, the breakout character of SNL history, mm. one of the biggest mm. SNL characters of all time, that other writer who we had tussles with his little brother came to one of the Christmas parties at SNL and he was really excited to meet Mike and the guy brings him up to Mike and Mike said, your brother's one of the, my biggest heroes. Like he says, you're my, uh, the kid says, you're my hero. To Mike. To Mike. And Mike says, oh, that's so nice of you. Your brother is my hero. He's one of the, one of the best guys here at Saturday Night Live from New York. It's Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I think that is one of the nicest things I've ever read. Yeah, it's nice, and it also shows that um, revenge is a dish best served cold. On a plate with a knife and fork. <laughs> and cut up, and then, surprise, it's a turd. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just, that's the Canadian in Mike. Yeah. And that's where all the stuff about him talking about Pierre Trudeau being one of mm. his heroes, mm. showing kindness and empathy for other humans. I think that is the moment where that all comes full circle. My, How interesting was the fact that... No one believed in Wayne as a character mm. at SNL. That was a crazy thing. This is my all-time favorite story in this book. So we yeah. should step through this a little bit. So in the table, in the he wrote this well, sketch. Or- okay. So, I mean, first of all, you need the background knowledge mm. that it was a hit in Canada. Yeah. It was such a hit in Canada on stage and on like community TV yeah. that when Mike was hired by SNL, all the press in Canada mm. was... Will he get to do his Wayne Campbell character on air? Like people were hyped about that character. Will what, there's a quote from a newspaper clipping that's a photo of it is in the book huh. that says, "Could Wayne become this year's church lady?" And just as a side note, Mike Myers is misspelled as Mark Myers mm. in this. Well, well, Mark Myers, my word, he <laughs> will become iconic. There's um okay, so he's. He goes into SNL with Wayne Campbell in his back pocket, mm-hmm. going, all right, at the very least, in a few episodes, I'll whip out Wayne, and that'll become mm. probably a good a good sketch. Hopefully, yeah. a good sketch. So, the way he tells him the book is that he wrote the first sketch, handed it in to the head writer. The head writer looked at it derisively, flicked through it, and then put it in a separate pile of maybe mm. sketches. 
Then another writer picked up the sketch, read it, and said, no way, you can't hand in this shit, and literally threw the script on the ground mm. in front of Mike. And then... My poor little Can Canuck. you believe... Oh, the emotions. My God, roll those sleeves down, the heart is pounding too much. Oh, God. And then Mike picks the sketch up off the ground, and when the two writers have left the room, he says, no, I believe in this. Mm. And he puts the sketch back on the submissions mm. pile. <sighs> I'm feeling tense already. I am scared. Mm, he gets the table read. Yep. What happens there? It goes okay. It goes okay. But Dana, who is a... Mike's new at this point. This mm-hmm. is Mike's third episode. Dana He's has Mike's back. He's a veteran. <clears throat> He's a vet. He's like the golden boy. Of He's SNL. a survivor. And Dana whispers to Mike. He says, don't worry. We're going to get this over the line. Mm-hmm. And Dana commits to the Garth character. Mm-hmm. So much that everyone is laughing and the sketch gets a second chance. Mm-hmm. Then it gets added to dress rehearsal mm-hmm. where it's on last. And Lorne Michaels says to him the whole time, we're probably going to cut this sketch. Mm-hmm. Don't get too attached to it. We're probably going to cut it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get cut. It goes to air. The show is on. It's live from New York. It's Saturday night, baby. Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Wayne's wheel, wheel, World wheel, is going to be on last. Lawn continually says to Mike, during broadcast, mm. your sketch will probably get cut tonight yep. if the musical act goes long. Yep. The musical act goes to time. Lawn turns to Mike and says... You're on. Put on the hat. Put on the wig. (laughs) Mike goes out there, wig on, and just, well, comedy history is made. Mm -hmm. It's a hit, baby. It's a huge hit. It's a huge goddamn hit. It's it goes well. Mm -hmm. There's a few details in there that I did skip. Yep. My favorite detail that I skipped is that the only writer. Yep. That had his back during this was none other than Conan O'Brien. Yes. That is, to me, that is like that comedy little... That's, of all the things in the book, and there's a lot of them, the one where it's just two little things come together Mm. that are absolutely the most iconic things in my life. Yeah. And for you as well, Mm. I think Mike Myers is one of our biggest heroes, but for both of us, Conan O'Brien might be the number one comedic influence to us. He's huge. He's a big deal. He is. And to think of Conan as a writer on that show who is the only writer on staff who comes up to Mike mm. and says, hey man, that Wayne sketch is so weird and so funny. Yeah. Uh, if you ever need a hand with it, yeah. I'm around. Yeah. That is so cool. And he was he was giving Mike advice about like, you know, submitting it and stuff. I think yeah. that's just so exciting. And then the fact that it goes on and it kills, but all of that is undercut by a sentence immediately where Mike says, it was the proudest moment of my life. But also, I was realizing that my father would never know about it. Mm. God damn. Doesn't that kill you? Yeah, it really does. Now, there's a lot of daddy stuff in this. Yeah. Your fav- one of your favorite uh, stories was about his father and, and Del Close, another yeah. father figure. This was something that we uh, kind of hinted at on the podcast already in one mm. of our gold member episodes. But Del Close, he is the man, the legend, the patron, the patron saint of improv, mm-hmm. one might say. Mm, yes, and I agree. Okay, very funny. Because <laughs> that is one of the tenets of improv that he <laughs> he told to the masses. Yes, and that's all he said. Yeah. And they got it. And they're that. like, finally, this guy's on, he's hip, he's with it, this we get it. Gets it. <laughs> and uh, there's this really great passage. I'm just going to read the entire passage. Um about Del Close because I think this is a really good lesson for anyone that's interested interested in comedy at all in comedy history and comedy practice. I think this is one of the best lessons in the entire 
uh, entire book. So this is about how Mike went to Chicago to mm-hmm. study with uh, Dell Close at Second City. Mm-hmm. And this is one of their first days there. One day, Dell was giving a workshop. He was talking about how important it is that the performer not believe that they were better than their audience. He felt the audience was always smarter than the person on stage. He told a story of going to the Canadian National Exhibition and finding himself in one of the trade show buildings. He was looking at the mass of people going from booth to booth like so much human cattle. He had caught himself feeling superior. But then he passed an Encyclopedia Britannica booth where a Liverpudlian man was selling encyclopedias. He said that this Englishman was so funny that it reminded him that a sense of humor is not exclusive to professionals. I raised my hand. He said, can I help you? I said, yeah. That Liverpudlian selling encyclopedias? Yeah, he said. He's my father. The rest of the class gave a collective gasp. I'm serious. This actually happened. Spooky. But things like that were everyday occurrences in Dell's class. There was an element of magic. That's insane, isn't it? Because, I mean, we know from uh, earlier, from reading about his father's life, that his dad was an encyclopedia salesman. Mm -hmm. We know that he's a naturally funny person. And then later on for another mentor figure of Mike's to have coincidentally have seen him and sort of taken him in as an anecdote that he's probably told countless classes mm-hmm. about how regular people are just as funny as comedians. Mm-hmm. And then for Mike to be in that class later yeah. on, I mean, that's just, that's that the universe, is magic. isn't it? That's, that's magic. It's crazy. It's a little bit of Mike magic. Yes, magic Mike that's here to stay. <laughs> It's, I think that's one of the most... As I was reading it then, I can feel a little tinkle in my eye. There's a little... There's yeah. a little... It just there's something... I, I, that's how I get, though. Whenever I read anything supernatural that's like mm. set in... That is from the real world, I just always cry as I read it. I don't know what it is. I think it's confront, like confrontation with the supernatural uh, just really moves my entire body. And it's, uh, it's even more interesting when you put it into context in the fact that in a year or two, Mike is going to be mm-hmm. releasing a film where he plays Del Close. Yes, I in mean, the movie, I don't. Know, I think it's called Del or called Close. Del. Maybe Close to You. <laughs> that's a good working title, guys. If you want to take that, but that's something that's so exciting, and it makes me excited to see that performance from Mike because he is going to be playing him from. Obviously, someone who has met Dell and has worked with Dell and mm-hmm. knows who he is, knows what he's like. So, be able to capture that or probably authentically. But he's also someone who is going to be able to understand the magic of Dell that he had in person and the mythology that this guy created yeah. around him. And I think that is, that's the kind of performance I love seeing in a biopic. Mm. And we don't know what perspective this is. If it's going to be from Dell's perspective, it's going to be totally autobiographical like that. Or if uh-huh. it's going to be from, you know, a young Myers-esque character or something who oh. meets Dell. God, I it's... hope I get to audition for the part of a young <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, God. You'd Me, be great I as a young it. Mike. Thank you. I'd be good as a young Dana. What about we go in together and like, hey, we're two Mike's tykes. Mm-hmm. We can do two things. We both capture... Two of the great essences. You, a little rock boy who grew up in bands and stuff. You can play the Wayne side and I play the Shagadelic Devil himself, Mr. Austin Powers, the known rooter. Well, that's because you're a famous root rat. I was a swinger. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, dude. I'm coming clean. I'm a swinger, baby. Alexi swings. You heard it here first and last Mm -hmm. because it will never be repeated (laughs) again. Now... 
we uh, we've covered a lot of this book. I still urge people to go out and buy it when mm-hmm. it becomes available in this country, or just buy it on Canada, Amazon, or yeah. you know, it's worth getting. It's from Penguin. Do you know if there's an audio book of it? Oh my god, we'll just release that as a podcast. <laughs> just we're going to pirate the Mike Myers Red audio version. But I tell you what, I was most interested in. Oh, no, not most. There's a lot I'm really interested in this. But one thing that really grabbed me, and I know it grabbed you too is look when we started this podcast we talked a lot about the the Myers curse (laughs) yeah we talked a lot about why Mike is no longer on our screens this... why he's disappeared. Yeah, and we're like, is there a curse? Has the devil cursed this boy and in since, some way? Since starting this podcast, Mike's career has started to swing back up yes. again. And I can't help but think that we are partially responsible. At and least... babies, you're welcome. Yeah, at least we're, we're people that are getting him back out there, getting the world ready for his eventual comeback. But... There is definitive proof in this book Mm -hmm. of the existence of the Myers curse. There's something about this that's spooky. And it it spooked me. Before I even knew you were interested in it, I wrote a little note in my notes as well that just said, we need to talk about this element. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to talk me through it because you're a known occultist. Yes. (laughs) Alistair Crowley, one of my biggest comedic influences. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but there is uh, there is a is that because he did sex magic? Yes, yeah, Yeah. shag magic, shag magic, or you know that's my kind of bag, baby. (laughs) Is horniness and also the dark arts horniness on top of a head of a red beast, (laughs) the devil. (laughs) Uh, So there is um, there is a recurring element in this of Mike being on tour in different countries and like different cities in Canada mm-hmm. when he's a young man. He's like 19 years old. He's a hot stud walking around, great charisma, still nervous around girls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the first essence of that is they go to a, a pub or a nightclub. I think the first time it happens is at a show. Mm-hmm. And he's approached by a gorgeous woman who seems very cool. Mm-hmm. And things are going cool and going well. Mm-hmm. And then she reveals that she's a Satanist. She opens up her blouse and in his words he says, I was hoping to catch an eyeful of cleavage. Mm-hmm. But what I was faced with was a pentagram pendant mm. around her neck. And she says that she was attracted to his energy. She mm. basically says there is an unidentifiable quality that makes this man a star, the yeah. X Factor. She says, you have, she keeps repeating, you have such amazing energy, Michael. Mm. You have amazing energy. And then he starts to get a little bit freaked out by this. Mm. And so he makes an excuse about feeling sick and that he has to go back to his hotel. And she says, blessed be you, Michael. Mm. And then he leaves. That's weird. Yeah. And What's weirder? His friends make fun of him on the yeah, tour. Yeah, they They're start like, saying it. To him. It's another yeah. catchphrase that he's mercilessly yeah, bullied blessed with. Blessed be, be you, Michael. They keep saying it. And then what becomes a little bit stranger is that this happens again and again. It happens like a few three times. three or four times. People the blessed come up to be him. you. There's, there's one instance where he's mid-show, he's doing a scene, and then through halfway through the scene, a booming voice from the darkness of the crowd mm. Yells out, "You have amazing energy, Michael!" And everyone in the crowd is aw- like notices this voice and turns towards the source mm. of it. He can't see it from the stage, but then later on, he's hanging with the fans. He's having a mm. drink, and this long-haired, kind of like black leather-clad mm. man, a pendulette type, yeah, <laughs> comes up to him with the same booming voice and says, "You have amazing energy, Michael. You were amazing out there on stage." and 
And Michael's a bit freaked out. This guy also has a pentagram. Mm. And then as he leaves, the man says to him, blessed be you, Michael. Yeah, and it happens a couple of other times as well. People keep saying, blessed be you. There are Satanist forces yeah and my talks about how scary it is and how disturbing it is and he's freaked out but the everyone on tour just makes fun of him about yeah. it. oh the satanist i think they know. get a bit freaked out about it yeah. as well but it's like and there's no conclusion it's like well i found out there was a prank yeah and i kept reading going all right surely it's going to be just a long-running prank that yeah. these people had on him where they were paying local freaks to like approach mm. him maybe that is the case but there is no resolution to it mm. at all there's another one where he's like walking home and he's yeah. drunk and then these wolves come out of yes. the forest and they start walking alongside him yeah now, this sounds like we're just making <laughs> shit up <laughs> this when i'm saying from it out loud this yeah, is crazy exactly but it's yeah an anecdote about how he's walking along this cold road in canada like and, miles miles long yeah because he's drunk and he's missed it he's missed the last bus or some shit and then these wolves just start walking alongside him. And mm. he says there's like 11 wolves mm. and he's like the 12th one. Yeah. And then he eventually gets scared by the wolves and he hails down, uh, he hitchhikes mm. and the hitchhiker has one eye. And I think again mentions that he has great energy. Mm. So this shit freaked me out. It's scary. And I think why these dark presences are drawn to Mike is because, like you mentioned, Alistair Crowley, these people love sex involved with Mm. their magic. And when you see Mike perform, Mm. there is an undefinable sexual quality Mm. to the man. Well, I could define it as one thing. Mm -hmm. Horniness. Absolutely. There is a horniness to Mike that drives his comedic persona, Mm. much in the way that a horniness would drive an L. Ron Hubbard type. Mm, exactly. With Mike was asked them the iconic question, do I make you horny, baby? Mm. The answer now shall be, hail Satan, yeah, baby. Blessed be you, Michael. Yes, <laughs> yes. baby. Very spooky stuff. Yeah. So if you want to read more about Mike's potential, the beginnings of his curse, mm. I recommend buying Canada by Mike. It Mike. makes me want to bring back the theory that Mike is cursed. Well, that's I think what it's happened. reignited it for it me. It really has. I think he was cursed. Uh, and then the moment that he sort of... His horniness left his comedy persona, mm-hmm. say around the Shrek era. Shrek's a famously unhorny character. Mm. That's when the curse really kicked in mm. and he started getting given some bad luck. Perhaps the energy had been taken away. Yeah, he so lost some of that amazing energy that he had. It's really freaky shit. Yeah. I loved this book. Me too. I think this is this is I would say up there with Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said that as if it was seven <laughs> words instead of <laughs> Wayne's World and Austin Powers as the greatest work in Mike's career. Yeah, absolutely. If you you know you watch Wayne's World, you watch Austin Powers, you read Canada, mm-hmm. you listen to Mike Check. Do not stop listening to no, Mike Check. Always listen to Mike Check. Yeah, this is this is a definitive work. It's an amazing work. It's a great. It's just a great book as well because there's all these great pictures. It's really nicely mm-hmm. laid out. Like Mike has he talk like there's some interviews with him where he talks about his aesthetics and how he's into aesthetics and stuff. And I think this has got a lot of that just bled into the book. There's great pictures. It's so nicely designed. It's such an easy way to read this wonderful book. Absolutely. And it's wow. just beautiful. It's just like the quality of the whole thing is crazy. You can have it out on your coffee table. I will. And people will leaf through it. There's some great... Pe- yeah, they'll have a great time. Mm. Now, I think we should check it. 
And if I may say so, it's good. Yeah, it's great. It's great, baby. It's absolutely great. Did it make me horny? Blessed be me, because I am horny. Oh, blessed be me. Hashtag gong, I'm horny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. I'm, I recommend it to everyone. Easily. Guys, read the book, keep listening to our podcast, and chat to us online. Yeah, chat you to can, us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Mike Check Pod. Or you can talk to us individually at I am Cameron James. At This is Alexi for me. And talk to us on Facebook. Again, DM me and I will tell you all my dark problems. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them involve walking along with packs of wolves. Mm, which is something that's recently boy. been happening to me on the road. Yeah, and you're just about to be in Melbourne very soon. <laughs> I certainly am. If you're in Melbourne, I'm going to be there from the 30th of March till about the 23rd of April. I'm on every night except for Wednesday at Trades Hall. You can buy tickets at alist.com.au. I just got back from Brisbane, had a great time, met mm-hmm. some cool horny babies. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yes. And so if you're a horny baby, come and hang out with my show. You'll probably get stiff or wet during it. I hope so. <laughs> at the very least, you'll laugh. It would be great to see you there. Yeah. I've also got Green Lights Comedy Nights on the 31st of March. John Conway's headlining. I'm hosting with Nick O'Malley. It's only 10 bucks at the Gala Club at 8 p.m. March 31st, Friday nights. That's the best 10 bucks you'll ever spend. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to swing us a five stars on iTunes and maybe recommend some other actor-based podcast that we could do for you. We've got a couple coming up in the works that I shan't spoil. Um, what's what's an example of an actor-based suggestion we could get? Well, uh, a horny baby called Redundant on iTunes suggested that this podcast is almost as good as that new Rob Lowe podcast, Dr. Strangelow, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great one. It's an easy spin-off from the world of Mike Myers, Austin Powers. Perfect. He's and already also in Wayne's world. world. Oh, excellent. That's great. Keep them coming, baby. And also a view from the top who could forget. <laughs> of course. The three best collabs between mm. those boys. Well, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and... May I just say, blessed be you. Baby! It's my check! It's my check! The podcast!